Good afternoon and welcome to this um, regular session of SACPA. Our topic this afternoon is, has Medicine Hat's energy sustainability policy left Lethbridge behind? And we do have a number of candidates running for municipal election who are here. I'll just have them stand up uh, after Russ has given his talk. Um, I think it's pertinent for the current election. I'm your moderator, Tom Kane. We are, as usual, recording this session, and an audio version will be available on our SACPA website uh, this evening, we think. And also remember that the website has a new look and also enables you to review Russ's PowerPoint slides, which he's going to use. Uh, I looked at the new website in the last couple of weeks, and it was I found when Linda Duncan was here starting off this season, I, she didn't use some of her own slides for, till towards the end of her presentation. So I was delighted to go back on the website and find them and look at them. She had a very fine talk that some points she didn't get quite made. But So those slides are going to be a tremendous asset. The other thing that's new on the website, if you can see what it looks like up here, um, the writing is too small for you to read at the back. There's a, a couple of polls. They're starting, SACPA's starting to have a poll connected to a topic. So today's topic, uh, the, the poll is, will energy conservation and energy policy be a factor when you cast your vote for mayor and alderman this year? Uh, so far, the respondents of 14% have said no. Yes, it will be a deciding factor. 67% have said yes. Yes, but it won't be a deciding factor, just a contributing factor, 19%. I do not intend to vote in the election. The people that were answering the questionnaire are all voting. <laughs> so that's good news. We want people to vote, not just talk about how somebody else might vote. So that's a, a wonderful new uh, capability that the SACPA website has. We'd like to um, remind you that SACPA is a volunteer nonprofit organization and relies on contributions of members and session attendees to continue its work. And um, Lisa made sure I was a paid-up member today when I came in. So if there's any, I, I feel quite self-righteous to remind you to pay up your membership. Um, SACPA would like to again acknowledge our partners, the University of Lethbridge um, support, including the distribution of notices, and Country Kitchen catering for our fine lunches and, and also the service they give with the fine lunch. We will follow... There. We will follow our regular format for this session, which you're so familiar with. Russ will speak for 30 minutes, um, and then we'll digest our lunch and his thoughts from 12.30 to 12.59, and then a couple of commercials, and we'll begin the question period right at 1 o'clock. It's now my privilege to introduce Russ Smith to you. The speaker strongly believes municipal energy strategies should include energy efficiency, conservation, and renewable energy, as they will play a critical role in the sustainability of all communities in the 21st century. On the Medicine Hat Smart website, there's a whole bunch of wonderful information there. I went on. They also have a two-hour um, online education program that you can tune in. So I tuned into that for about an hour and a half. Russ, I didn't get through the whole thing yet. But I learned all sorts of things I can do in my house from looking at his online education survey for um, how you can have your house be... Um, wonderfully improved towards renewable energy and more efficient. Lethbridge and Medicine Hat have been friendly rivals. I'm glad that 
Russ didn't didn't wear. Yeah, sent us an email the other day saying, "Well, how formal is this SACPA thing? Should I get all dressed up or what?" And I almost said back, "Well, wear your medicine hat tigers jersey," but. <laughs> That relates to next Monday's topic about violence in hockey, which will be at the library. <laughs> so, um, and boy, when Medicine Hat comes to town, it is pretty violent. So go hear the, the next Monday night speaker at the library on hockey violence. So we'll leave the rivalry uh, aside and say that I think we can learn a lot from Medicine Hat. Uh, the city of Medicine Hat's energy sustainability, and sustainability program, Russ is the manager. And it's interesting, he's worked for the city of Medicine Hat for the past 15 years in a variety of roles with the city, including extensive financial and strategic planning with the city's energy division. It's neat that somebody would have an understanding of the economics of it all, because uh, if you start promoting environmental practices, you get called a tree hugger and you don't understand the economy. Well, Russ understood the economy before he, I presume, became a tree hugger because he can't be doing all this stuff without being a tree hugger. Um, Russ earned his Bachelor of Commerce degree from the University of Calgary in 1991. His topic, once again, is has Medicine Hat's energy sustainability policy left Lethbridge behind? You decide. But please welcome Russ Smith to this second session. Thank you, Tom. Um, just so you know, I did not uh, pick the title for this topic. I think Tom's a bit of a trouble causer. I don't really know him, but that's the sense I get. Um, he said he was doing that for attendance purposes, and it looks like that worked pretty well. So, Thanks for stoking the fires there, Tom. Okay, um, I've got about a half hour to talk. Uh, I guess the basis of this presentation is to show you what we're up to in Medicine Hat. Um, I was looking around the internet and, and trying to figure out what was going on in southern Alberta as a bit of background. I think it's fair to say both southeastern and southwestern Alberta are doing all sorts of different things, and I think we can probably learn from each other. So agenda for today, uh, I'm going to talk a little bit about our community environmental roadmap and how we use that as a foundation for the way we move forward and then move right into energy sustainability. So energy conservation, renewable energy, talk about what Medicine Hat is up to there, and then talk about some southern Alberta opportunities as I see it. So I'm going to start with our community environmental roadmap. This is a, a document that we produced. It was actually published in, I think, January of, of 2008. Uh, it actually started back in 2005 where we had a series of... Uh, open house meetings. I think there was four or six of them at a variety of locations around the community. And we were attempting to engage the community around what is important for them around the environment. Um, that was a, a, a fairly enlightening process, um, although it confirmed a lot of things, right? People care about air quality, they care about water quality, they care about energy and conservation, they care about waste, and they care about how you use the land. We actually had written up what they cared about before they showed up. And then they confirmed that that's what they cared about. Um, what I'm going to talk about is energy sustainability, so specifically energy conservation and renewable energy and the steps that we've taken. But I will tell you that the roadmap and the associated targets that came out of that development of that roadmap 
are foundational to both how citizens, I think, in Medicine Hat look at what we're up to, as well as how the politicians look at some of their decisions for the community. It informs them as to where the community is at, and it informs them as to what the community aspires to, and not just in abstract terms, but actually with some identifiable targets. So why energy sustainability? Why is it such a big deal? Um, in a medicine hat context, since we're the gas city, I kind of like to use this slide. Um, a, we own natural gas. B, we produce that natural gas and we heat our homes with it. And then we also ship some of that over to our power plant to make electricity with it. And our municipal taxes are subsidized to the tune of about $25 million a year with a dividend from our natural gas production. So, although you think that might be okay, we have a bit of an addiction problem in Medicine Hat, and that's why we need to start looking out a little further and trying to figure out what we can do around that. Because we do understand natural gas right now is relatively plentiful, um, but it is a depleting and non-renewable resource, and so we need to look longer term and understand maybe not for our sakes, but for our kids' and grandkids' sakes, how we're going to move forward in southern Alberta. So, I talked a little bit about targets. Um, energy sustainability for us is two things. One is energy conservation, understanding how much energy we're using in our community, and then figuring out ways we can decrease the amount of energy we're, we require to use our community. So the target we've set is a decrease of per capita consumption of, of natural resource of fossil fuels of 20% by 2020. Um, that's over a, a 19, sorry, a 2006 baseline. And then the other piece is renewable energy. So once you push down the amount of energy you're using on a per capita basis, the other piece is to figure out how to make that pie not just all natural gas or coal, but how to incorporate renewables into that and do it in a cost-effective manner over time. So what has the City Medicine Hat done? One of the things uh, we developed fairly early on is a brand called HatSmart, and we have a website, hatsmart.ca, and it's what we use to promote our energy sustainability initiatives primarily. Um, People in Medicine Hat now, when they get something with HatSmart on or they read about HatSmart, they understand, oh, those are those guys that are maybe giving out incentives or having education forums or are doing demonstration projects. So we've tried to brand ourselves and create awareness around that. Um, and we have, through our utility bill, sent out, I believe, five or six energy conservation brochures that inform people everything from handy and free tips to decrease the energy consumption in your home to kind of the cost-benefit analysis of furnace and hot water tank replacements through to renewable energy information as well. So we've gone out, tried to educate people about what the possibilities are and create some awareness. Maybe I'll just, since you guys know about utility bills and owning utilities a little bit, I'll digress for a second. I don't know how much time I have, but... Um, People and their utility bills is a great tool to get people's attention. Our primary driver and where we get probably the most action is from people phoning us and complaining about their utility bills. 
and then us turning that into a conversation about how much energy people use and the tools we can provide to help them manage their consumption. So those conversations are critical, and personally, I don't really care whether it's a justified complaint about their utility bill or not. If it leads to a conversation that hopefully enlightens people about people taking their consumption into their own hands, uh, it's a good conversation. We have an energy conservation seminar. Tom was saying he uh, had watched it online. We, we were doing these conservation seminars uh, the first Monday of every... Uh, sorry, yes, the first Mon Wednesday of every month in city council chambers, and we get between 50 and 100 people out to hear a person talk for two hours about energy conservation and things people can do in their homes. Um, we soon learned that if we videotape that seminar and put it on our website and have people sign up to view it, we can probably increase the attendance between five and tenfold. So as of last month, we had about 2,600 households who have seen this video in Medicine Hat out of 22,000 households, I guess, so over 10% of the population. So education alone works for some, but, but a carrot of an incentive is obviously something that sometimes can be useful. So we did a, a lot of work piggybacking on provincial and federal incentive programs, um, having our own hat-smart incentives around both insulation and air sealing, air conditioning, uh, and furnaces. And as a result of that, we had uptake with respect to the provincial and federal, so the federal eco-energy program, which some of you may be aware of, and there are provincial incentives as well. Our per capita average uptake was between three and five times the provincial average. So what we think happened was we created awareness, we educated, and we provided a little bit of an additional hat smart incentive to motivate people, and we feel it's been quite successful. Now let's talk a little bit about renewable energy. So you can see some of the steps, and I haven't highlighted all of them because Tom said I only had 30 minutes and things are strict around here. So um, I'm going to talk about renewable energy really quickly and, and give you an idea of some of the high-level things, uh, the broader kind of utility-scale developments we're looking at, as well as some of the residential and commercial incentives that we have. So I'll talk wind, solar, and something called aquifer thermal energy storage. I used to have a colorful map for this, and I took it out. I'm not sure why. Um, those of you who are familiar with Medicine Hat, this red dot is Costco. This is the northern boundary of the city, and this right now is basically an agricultural industrial area with very little development. And so we have a small, what I call a, a, not a wind farm, but a wind hobby farm that we're planning on developing there. It's a four-tower wind farm between six and eight megawatts of, of electric capacity. Um, we're actually at our final stages of Alberta Utility Commission's approval. We're hoping to hear uh, first week of October, maybe second week of October, just to make the election a little more exciting. We'll get that one on the table. Um, it will produce between 10 and 15% of the residential electricity requirements for the city of Medicine Hat. So it's a step in the right direction. It's not the whole solution, but it is part of the solution. Um, and if we can do wind, I'm pretty sure you guys can do wind. 
So there's possibilities, but it costs money. I heard all these people kind of lean. I don't know what that's about, but um, what happens with this type of scenario is it gets people thinking about the potential. The challenge with this, though, is that $4 natural gas prices, this results in a premium on people's utility bills. There's going to be a charge. If City Council decides to move forward once we get permission to move forward, there'll be a charge between 2 and $3 a month, probably closer to 2 for that, basically what we're calling a green premium on the utility bills. We're not going to ask people if they want it. We're just going to charge them, and then we'll see who gets reelected, I guess, on the next election. But the fact is, is we're trying to move proactively in that direction, and so our city council has decided they're going to take that decision on their own and try to diversify our energy portfolio as part of that strategy. The next thing we're looking at is, is solar, and all I want to point out is dark green means really sunny. Um, you guys are still pretty sunny. We're sunnier than you guys. You're windier than us. Together, I think we have all sorts of interesting potential in southern Alberta to offset some stuff that is occurring up north, which gives us all kind of reason to cringe a little bit, or at least, you know, even if you don't believe the environmental stories, it certainly paints Alberta in probably a fairly, well, certainly an unfair light. And I think there's some great southern Alberta, or southern Alberta opportunity to, to change that. So what are we doing around solar? We've got a 5-kilowatt installation at our, our leisure center, which is a solar concentrating tracking system. Uh, I'm an accountant, not an engineer, so I'll give you my take on what it does. It has this fancy Fresnel lens, you know, the one that does overheads at the schools, that focuses on the solar cell, and that takes in both infrared and ultraviolet along with visible light, so you get broader spectrum with these fancy lenses, and then it also tracks the sun. So basically, these systems generate 50% more electricity than standard flat panel solar electric systems. Here's the challenge. They cost twice as much. So we got some grant funding to get the systems installed, but we're trying to understand how well they work and try to understand if there's some potential to invest in that technology. Concentrating solar thermal, we have a, a $9 million, one megawatt project that is due to start um, next spring at our power plant, which basically takes the sun's energy, it focuses it on this evacuated tube across the face of the, the mirrors, and the sun heats up a high-temperature transfer fluid. It's an oil, and it can achieve 700 degrees Fahrenheit to create steam, which we then incorporate into our power plant and basically displace natural gas. So that's a project um, in partnership with the province where we're, at this point, going to be creating some really expensive solar electricity. But what we're going to understand is the potential in the future to displace natural gas with the sun. My last one is what's called aquifer thermal energy storage. Um, I actually have a better slide than this. It, it shows a really cold day and a really hot day. And, and I think Medicine Hat and, and Lethbridge share this. There's about 15 good days, and the rest are either way too hot or they're way too cold. 
So basically, aquifer thermal energy storage, um, which is a buried valley aquifer, it's about 200 feet under the ground in Medicine Hat, um, covers about 30% of, of the area of the city, um, basically uses this aquifer, a cold water aquifer, to absorb heat in the summer and store that heat, and then takes that heat out in the winter and uses a heat pump to squeeze that heat out in the winter. So seasonal energy storage, we're storing that heat that we're kind of sick of and we're pushing it into the winter when we need a little heat because there's too much cold. That's probably the easiest or the non-engineer explanation of it. If you want a more detailed one, um, probably not best that you talk to me. What it does result in and what I do know, because math's the thing that I like to do, certainly around the financial side, is this results in the displacement of about 50% of the fossil fuel use you'd need in a multifamily residential complex. So it has some really, really interesting potential. Again, 50% savings with two to three times the cost. So at this point, it's not economic, but this isn't about economics for today. It's about understanding how we can be sustainable over time when those fossil fuels disappear. So what else are we doing around renewables? We have residential incentives. So just like we have the residential incentives associated with uh, energy conservation, we also have residential renewable energy incentives. We have um, both solar thermal, uh, so solar hot water, as well as solar electric incentives. Um, City Council approved $450,000 worth of those incentives, uh, 50 of each. Um, right now, we have basically 20 of each installed, so 20 electric solar electric systems installed and 20 solar thermal. That's 20, or sorry, 40 households in Medicine Hat who've decided that um, if the city's willing to put up half the money, they'd be willing to put up the other half the money to both save energy, uh, save the use of fossil fuels, but also be a leader in their community and show what is possible um, with a little bit of both risk sharing as well as uh, leadership within the community. We also have commercial incentive programs. Um, the program is fully subscribed. It was a million-dollar program, um, but it did result in some significant installations um, we've had about 50 kilowatts of solar electric installed. On one building alone, there was a, a professional building that uh, is a series of uh, business condos that has a 30-kilowatt system installed on the roof of the building. That is the biggest solar electric rooftop installation west of Ontario um, using all Western Canadian products, an inverter from Calgary, solar panels from Burnaby, and racking systems done here in southern Alberta as well. So it's something that uh, we're pretty proud of. Bottom line is, though, we're trying to engage commercial customers as well as residential customers to change their behaviors and to demonstrate leadership. So now I have five minutes left to talk about what I'm calling southern Alberta opportunities. Medicine Hat certainly doesn't have all of this uh, figured out in the least. We think we're walking down the right path, but, but there's certainly lots more we can do. Um, when I think of training and development of, of 
both business opportunities, but particularly the development of trades. I think you can be very proud at the work being done at Lethbridge College, specifically around um, wind in terms of training up uh, technical professionals to work in the, the wind turbine servicing industry, um, as well as the, the assembly interaction. I think there's been some really good work done here, and I will say nothing has been done at Medicine Hat College. And that's not to put down Medicine Hat College, but I think there's been some really good leadership um, in the Lethbridge area around educational opportunities. Maybe that has something to do with the university being here and thinking on a slightly different plane, but I won't pursue that too far. Um, the other thing that you may or may not know is Lethbridge College, I believe, is also pursuing some solar training, which although Medicine Hat will say, yeah, we're sunnier, in the end, where the solar panels are made and where the training occurs for these professionals has nothing to do with the amount of sunlight that radiates on the community. It's about the ideas and the innovation. So I think there's some really good stuff. And I would not hesitate to say at all that Medicine Act could learn a fair bit from the good work that's going on around training in the Lethbridge area. Commercial energy development. Well, if you drive around Medicine Hat, we have a lot of natural gas wells and a fair bit of oil stuff going on. Um, but once you get to Bow Island or even Purple Springs, there is no commercial renewable energy development. All of it is in southwestern Alberta. It all focuses around wind farms. There are a number of wind farms that are being contemplated in southeastern Alberta, but none of those have been developed yet. So I think you should be very proud of the work that has happened, maybe not within the municipality. Well, I'm not saying you shouldn't be proud of what's going on in the municipality, but if you look beyond your borders and just look at southwestern Alberta, I think there's some great stuff going on from a commercial standpoint, for sure. Then uh, let's talk about advocacy. Um, so I've been really fortunate to have worked within the energy group of the City of Medicine had and had a chance to both influence um, administration as well as politicians to allow me to kind of conduct my own little science experiment on energy sustainability and our potential to, to move towards some of the targets that I talked about. But when you want to talk about advocacy, you know, within the province, I think there's some really great stuff going on in the Lethbridge area. You look at Green Sense and the work that's been done around renewable energy, um, working groups and, and having um, some form of voice beyond kind of the oil and gas voice that seems to permeate within the province. Um, and then we've got SAPE, which is the Southern Alberta Alternative Energy Partnership, which is basically a Lethbridge-based organization which is doing good work. I will extend a bit of an olive branch because I've been calling them SWAPE because, like wind farms, there's nothing or not much in, from southeastern Alberta that is involved in this organization. It's a very southwestern Alberta focus, and I think there's some great opportunities for us to work together. Has the olive branch been extended? No. Have I picked up the phone and called them? No. So I just think it's something that I think is places where we can go. Renewable energy demonstration projects, you guys have a few of them around here, certainly with biofuels and some stuff that's uh, been going on at the, your wastewater treatment plant for a number of years. Um, we also, as I've shown you, are looking to do some demonstration projects as well. Uh, the one area where we, I think it's fair to say, are leading Lethbridge and not lagging Lethbridge 
is around municipal initiatives, municipal incentives. Um, and I had the pleasure to do a fair bit of work with Sue Dakin when she was working for the city of Lethbridge, and there certainly are some unique challenges there. We also have a relatively unique advantage in that we have the oil and gas lever, which generates a fair bit of income for us to pull and, and fund these programs from. It doesn't have to be off the tax base, which is, I think, relatively unique, although I've got some suggestions on how to address that as well. So that is my little, I guess, hat smart talk uh, about what the City of Medicine Hat is up to, and I guess a little bit of uh, you're getting my my take on what's going on in southern Alberta, and I guess the potential for us to be the the green to the northern oil sands, less than green. And I think uh, you know there's great potential for the province to be working towards a broader portfolio of energy, and if they can just get beyond their addictions, just like Medicine Hat is trying to get beyond uh, ours, I think uh, we've got some promising stuff in the future. So thanks for your time.